and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm your host as always, Ross McLeod, and I'm joined by a man who is twice the Wilson of Stevie and not half annoying a Ryan as Ryan Gallagher. He is Ryan Wilson making his debut on the show. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Thank you for that introduction. I am the Brock Lesnar of podcasting here when the money is right and here when the ratings are low. Exactly. Exactly. We needed we needed a spike after that Baron Corbin that was David Hawk no, not David Hawkney. David Hawkney was good two weeks he was on. Who was a deplorable prick? Most of the other people. Anybody um, who's not me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, Ryan Gallagher did it with me and we had to do it at nine o'clock in the morning because his Wi-Fi runs on wind, so we had to wait until he went into work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how windmills doing outside his house. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so there you go, at least, at least this Ryan showed up with a, a capable Wi-Fi. But I mentioned our past uh, ESSR Central shows there. Uh, if you want to listen to all our news, reviews, interviews, previews, then you'll find us on Eat Sleep Suplex, Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. Give us a wee follow there. And while you're following, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the lot. Our Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, community, now spam free, ladies and gentlemen. We will <laughs> be monitoring a lot more of those content posts. Wrestling only from now on, we promise. Uh, you can get involved you in my pictures, I see. I'm not even going to touch that I'm going to move swiftly on (laughs) Uh, get involved in the conversations we have you can get involved in conversations that we will have on the shows Uh, the guys recently did a feature show the best and worst TNA and Impact World Champions so so much to discuss there just like there's so much to discuss this week Ryan and we never really touched on uh, NXT on last week's show because me and David were recording ahead of schedule. But um, last week's NXT had Finn Balor against Karrion uh, Cross, a rematch for the NXT World Heavyweight Championship. Karrion Cross retains, and it's leaving everyone wondering what does this mean for Finn Balor? Finn Balor obviously went back to NXT. He's been the most interesting since he left NXT, when he went back to NXT. Do you do you want to see him back on the main roster, or are you sort of wary of him going back up? I'm wary of him going back up, but I'm sort of caught in two minds because I don't want to see him go back up to the main roster if they've not got a plan for him, which seems to be everybody who comes up to the main roster. But at the same time, Raw especially has been terrible recently, in recent months, well, for the past year or so, Raw has been very, very, very bad television. And they need somebody like Finn Balor, I think, to freshen it up a little bit. But at the same time, I don't want Finn Balor to come up if he's just going to be fighting Elias every week. Do you know what I'm saying? No. So, if it's to go against Lashley or Drew or be in the title picture and be a, a main eventer and a draw for Raw, then that's fine. But I just... I don't know, like, going to NXT initially really, really helped him, I think. I think he's probably been the most consistently good wrestler of the past year on any promotion. Um, 
probably not as, as, as hyped as some other people, but like consistently week in, week out, puts in good, solid matches or promos, and he's, he's always interesting. And I just don't know if you'd get that on Raw. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair assumption. He was on Raw like, the majority of his time there, and you know, he did, he did get the injury, and it seemed like WWE were reluctant to put the title on him. Then he was in the IC title picture. Then he goes to SmackDown, and he has an okay run with the IC title belt. He has the feud with The Fiend, and then he's just sort of gone. You know what I mean? I, I don't think... I think every time Finn Balor sort of found a, found a bit of momentum on the main roster, it gets stopped, you know, he got the injury. Then he, he comes back, he's in a bunch of title matches, uh, sorry, a bunch of feuds. He gets into the title match with Lesnar, but obviously Lesnar's not dropping the title until WrestleMania, so he loses to Lesnar, that derails him. He wins the title from Lashley, but then they want to do the Demon at WrestleMania, so he loses it back. <laughs> and then when he starts getting going with the IC title run on SmackDown, they decide, right, we're going to put him in the feud with The Fiend, so we need to get the title off him. And then he drops the title on a pre-show to Nakamura, and it's just a bit, it is a bit stop-start, and it does make you, you know, a bit wary, you know. I, I don't buy into as much as, you know, a lot of people, that everyone that goes up, you know, gets buried, and everyone that goes, you know, look at Drew McIntyre, look at Kevin Owens, look at other others. Sami Zayn, yeah, like, you know, Sami Zayn's not built as a top guy, he's built as a, like, a slimy heel who's meant to, you know, constantly have an excuse, and he's been consistently interesting since he's went up to the main roster. Yeah. I just think Finn Balor, injuries and circumstances work against him, and unless there's a plan for him to go go to Raw or SmackDown, like, I'd, I'd love to see Balor be the one to take the title off Roman Reigns. I think that could be a great feud. I do too, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're ready to stop the Roman Reigns train yet. Probably not until Mania, to be honest. Probably even after that next year. Um, and again, I don't think SmackDown need them as badly as Raw do. So I think if anything, if he does come up to Raw, it'll be maybe to answer Sheamus's open challenge and take the US title. I wouldn't mind having Sheamus having a few, to be honest. But again, mm-hmm. I don't want him just getting stuck in the mid-card title, or the US title. He should be higher than that, um, in my opinion. But I don't know. I don't. I don't agree either that everybody comes up for NXT gets buried. But there does seem to be a, a large percentage of them that just gets rushed. It's just like, oh, let's bring them up because they're hot in NXT. What will we do with them? I don't know. Just it's fine. I think that's what's happened with you know. I think that's what happened to Shayna Baszler. Yes. People like that. Um, mm-hmm. And even Damien Priest, he came up to do that whole thing with Bad Bunny. But now Bad Bunny's away. It's like, oh, what's he going to do now? Uh, no, no, I know. That that was a worry for me for the off when it was clear he was doing this bad bunny thing. Um, yeah, I think the, the thing with, with Triple H is that in NXT he surrounds himself with like young young writers and young people and people that have got sort of a, a pulse on pop culture. So if he doesn't really get a gimmick, someone can explain to him, well, actually, this is good because it means X, Y, and Z. And like, superstars tend to have a lot more freedom. You know, if you've ever watched the WWE Network's show Breaking Ground, yeah, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys and girls you see going to like put forward, um, put forward, um, what do you call it, like, characters? Because there's even one with William Regal where 
uh, Aaliyah goes to put forward a Kim Kardashian style gimmick and Regal stops and goes hold on a minute this you know Kim Kardashian's been about for 10 years the style the Kim, a Kim Kardashian gimmick might not have been done but the style's been done and then who's to say that in two years that Kim Kardashian isn't as, as famous anymore you know what I mean yeah. like so like even William Regal's got his finger on the pulse whereas on in the main roster it's mostly Vince and like I'm not going to get on at Vince for not be, having his finger on the pulse he's 70 year old you know what I mean yeah. my granddad's 70 year old he didn't know how to work his Sky remote for fuck's sake you know what I mean so <laughs> like I'm not going to have a go at Vince because he doesn't know like who Bad Bunny is and all that you know what I mean but yeah, yeah. it be interesting to see going forward because I, I don't know what's left for Ballot to do in NXT as you said he should go straight into a world title picture but with Drew and Bobby Lashley being a thing and then Roman Reigns not ready to drop the title it'd be interesting to see what happens there so we'll see where it goes and we'll move on to Smackdown and the return of possibly the best tag team that WWE have ever produced Jimmy and Jay the Usos uh, went up against the Street Profits a great match the Usos managed to get the win and we saw the sort of shithousery from Roman Reigns you know the the fact that he's he's sort of controlling Jay saying hold on a minute you know I, I've done X, Y and Z for you you know you know I, I've built something here we're winners you better go out there and win you can't let your brother drag you down I, yeah. I like how Roman is sort of trying to turn Jay against his own brother because his brother won't play ball yeah I mean this whole the whole Roman feud whole Roman Empire thing the tribal chief thing has been excellent and it's the thing about it is it's been great long term storybooking as well which is something that you don't usually say about WWE but ever since Hell in a Cell last year when it was uh, Jimmy and Roman is that right? I always get them mixed up um, basically when, when Roman no, no, destroyed him in the cell Jay yeah um, uh, Jimmy's the one that's back now and it looks as if it's going, maybe going to be the opposite so who's fighting Roman next um, mm. possibly I just like the way that they've not jumped the gun on it they've yeah. waited for him to come back from injury or wherever it was he was away to he was injured is that what why yeah yeah, yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Mm. so now that he's back they're not just immediately having them break up or having them just be a team again they're having them slowly get integrated into this sort of dynamic of like Roman obviously at the head of the table with Heyman and he's here giving them ideas and you've got Jimmy who's like the sort of um, a lapdog for this person <laughs> and uh, and then you've got the other brother coming in and being like well hold on a minute like I'm not, I'm not agreeing, agreeing to this but it's not as quite as, as black and white as I'm painting it I'm not, I'm not explaining it very well but they've done it quite subtly and it's it's interesting this is why Smackdown's so much more interesting than Raw because you actually need to pay a, a bit of attention to see what's going on and there's tension building and it's doing they're doing it slowly so you actually want to see what happens whereas it's not just like um oh it's going to be over at hell in a cell well this is probably going to drag on till possibly many a time do you know obviously mm. people have been rumours the rumours have been going that it's going to be Roman versus The Rock at Mania which you know I, I don't think that's going to happen but that'd be cool please please don't excite me please don't excite I don't me I that, <laughs> that like that would be great with like Jimmy and Jay and Roman's corner but maybe they'll switch 
to the rock. I don't know. But that's you know, there's there's great possibilities there. So if they play their cards right, they're probably going to be interesting. You in the ashes of uh, Jimmy Snooker. <laughs> 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 Tamina's not invited. Uh, no, no, Tamina's. I, I made my opinions very clear on Tamina on this show. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go on a rant in case anybody hasn't heard it yet. But I said about all the people we cheered over the years that WWE didn't push. Damien Mizdow, Zack Ryder, Rusev and Rusev Day. And then the one time they listen to us, it's an ironic chant for Tamina. So see next time you're cheering some indie darling and WWE doesn't listen to you, you've got what you fucking deserve because uh, yes. you, you got Tamina pushed. <laughs> yeah, you ended up getting Tamina over by accident, you dicks. Um, <laughs> I, I don't understand the Tamina thing at all. Again, we're going way off topic here, but like, just because you've been around for a long time doesn't mean you just deserve a belt. Exactly, exactly. There's a reason mad. she's been around for so long without having a belt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't be that unsuccessful for a reason. So it's not. Anyway, sorry. Have your pity title. Nobody cares about the women's tag team division anyway, I'm sorry. Just fair enough. We, we've lasted <laughs> the division many a time on this show. Yes. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Back to the video shows. Uh, yeah, all good stuff over on SmackDown. On Raw, not so much. That's my general point. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we've. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think that's a true thing. Uh, one of the one of the good things, uh, which I, I spoke about with David Hockney uh, last week, was I thought Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, after not defending the the titles for like the first sixty days of their title def- uh, of their title reign. They had a fatal four-way the WrestleMania weekend. They had a great match with the Street Profits. Uh, yep. I think they had another title defence. And then a great match at Backlash against the Mysterios. I wasn't ready for their title reign to end. I thought they were starting to hit. And then the Mysterios get the win. Uh, they had a rematch on SmackDown this week uh, in the main event. The Mysterios retain. And just to make this Uso storyline a bit more interesting, the Usos are now going to go up against the Mysterios next week, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I'd, I'd actually love it if Roman used his influence and went, no, no, us is me and Jay. We were the ones that built this. Me and Jay are going to fight the Mysterios and then have like have Roman and Jay win the tag titles. Oh, I that, honestly, that's great. I'd love I don't think that's going to happen, but that's good. To no, no, no. <laughs> um... Yeah, that would be good because it would just add to the tension of between the shows. It just make Roman come off even more of a prick, and um, it would give it would give Mysterio something to. Obviously, they want a rematch. Um, I do agree with you when we're talking about Dolphin Rudd as well. Um, I thought they were pretty good. They were starting to get a wee gimmick going together because um, there were other two guys that were just thrown together without any thought of it. Um, like most tag teams are, but I thought that they would had a bit of chemistry, and obviously, um, Brood and Dolph Ziggler are both great in the ring. Like, so they're solid enough to work with anybody. But the actually, I don't know, I like them. And you're right about that fatal four-way match at Mania. I don't understand why the Mysterios won it at Backlash. Why not give them that moment at WrestleMania in front of the crowd, father and son win the titles? Why? I don't understand why we got Tamina. <laughs> At Mania, but we never got Mysterio and the Sun Dominic winning the titles. Because people are bastards, that's why, Ryan. People yes. are bastards. Yes. 
But yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be good going forward, you know. The Uso sort of tangent coming back into the, the tag team division. I, I do look forward to that next week and I, I'm actually off next Saturday, so I might actually stay up and watch it live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not that excited. <laughs> But like, I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well have just shouted in the phone. Get a life, Specky. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking get some sleep. <laughs> Speaking of Saturday night, staying up late. SummerSlam this year. To go off topic. Yes. Sorry. Um, well, well, Saturday no, no. night. We'll pick up on it now, and we can just we can get it while we're here. Yeah, SummerSlam is going to be a Saturday night this year. I think that is a great thing, by the way, because I think WWE might have seen because we're going to talk about Double or Nothing in great detail in a wee moment uh, and one of the one of the things we loved about AEW pay-per-views was that it was on a Saturday yes. for the UK viewer you know a Saturday pay-per-view and a lie on Sunday absolutely superb you can't whack it it's I think I, I think they've seen the criticism uh, not not criticism but just minor minor complaint that European and UK fans won want AEW to go back to Saturday nights instead of Sundays and they've thought you know what we'll, we'll do that we'll do that we'll we'll go to Saturday with SummerSlam because it's maybe in Las Vegas I believe we've talked uh, before where the show is going to be yeah I believe it's Las Vegas yeah, Las I think it's Vegas. Vegas yeah you're right yeah Las Vegas actually just announced at midnight last night uh, Las Vegas is now completely reopened there is no social distancing, no masks or anything anymore. Full so, capacity. It's at uh, full capacity. So a Saturday, a hot Saturday night crowd in Las Vegas. Drunk after arses, high on cocaine, ready for some <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. Uh, I think that could be amazing. And there could, you know, we talked about Bad Bunny uh, earlier on. Yeah. Another another pop culture icon we talked about Vince not being in touch clearly somebody's put his put his uh, iPod or his fucking Spotify on his shuffle <laughs> and it's like latest hits and he's like ah, who's this Cardi B fella could, <laughs> could we get this WAP fella to uh, perform like no no WAP's the song Vince what <laughs> what does that mean yeah. don't worry about it Vince yeah, um, wrestling against people <laughs> <laughs> So she's a wrestling fan. I will get her in. Yeah, Cardi B rumored to be the host of SummerSlam. That yes. is, yes, yeah. a million times. Yes, I'm all for it. A, a lot of people, obviously, wrestling fans. Some wrestling fans have been like, "Oh God, no, no!" These celebrities coming in and getting themselves over. So and she, she's like the most famous female singer in the world right now. Aye, she is, and she's, I don't know if you've ever like, actually heard her talking in interviews, she's absolutely hilarious, unintentionally oh, of course, brilliant. but she has this sort of, she just talks with this big stupid voice, <laughs> like this big bimbo like woman who's just so trashy but like amazing and all of her, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way, I just mean there is no filter, there is no, you know, um, what's what I'm looking for? political correctness she'll just talk some shit yeah. and she's the sort of person as well that if anybody said it to her with any of the wrestlers or whatever she would just get right up in their face aye, aye you know no, she's got no apology <laughs> aye and uh, it helps that she's you know attractive and that she's <laughs> is in some very questionable um, you know 
music videos, which I'm sure WWE will promote, and she'll sing a song, which I'm sure will be terrible, but like, be very in front of a live crowd full of cocaine and drugs. That is her. That's her people, and I, I just don't see it. I don't see a downside. <laughs> Honestly, the only thing that's going to be bad is like fucking Kevin Dunn having a heart attack at the desk, He's trying to like keep it on frame. <laughs> Can shit over his own teeth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I, I honestly think it would be hilarious. If you want a funny video, go uh, type into YouTube Cardi B Star Wars. It's just some of the like the random noises she makes, but like they've been they've been like dubbed over like Tie Fighters oh, and Sabers and all that. It is oh, hilarious. Yeah, that's, that, that's amazing. There's another thing as well. There's a video she takes on Instagram as well, like because she like she live tweets or live Instagrams, whatever the kids call it these days. I don't do social media very well. Um there's she's in the back of a limo, have you seen this? And uh, she's sweating and she's complaining about how hot it is in the limo. So instead of just like cracking the window as you would do, or that putting the aircon on, she starts like taking her jeans off. Um because she what is it she says? She says that she's she doesn't want to get a yeast infection. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she just she's like sitting in the back of a limo with her jeans off, trying to air out her vagina, <laughs> and she's live tweeting this. It's it's amazing, and she's I don't think she's doing it intentionally. Like I don't think she's trying to be funny. I think it's just how she lives her life, and she records it. I'm just like we need more of that in wrestling. <laughs> So uh, anyway, back to the wrestling to steal a phrase from you and Ryan back in the day. By the way, before we move on for Smackdown, um, how annoyed are you that Roman Reigns used to be in feuds with Baron Corbin when you and Ryan reviewed Smackdown? And now he's like the most interesting he's ever been. It's, It's crazy how much I hated Roman Reigns. Not Roman Reigns in general, but whenever we were doing a Smackdown review show just a couple of years ago, it was Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin for months and months and months to the point where it was just, it wasn't even fucking funny. It was like one pay-per-view, next pay-per-view, the Saudi Arabia, Arabia pay-per-view. And then on TV every week they were having matches as well. They literally wrestled like 13 times in a row. None of them were good matches. And then we had all the, the dog food pouring over each other and all that shit. It was just torturous, and at that point, I was just like, if I never see Roman Reigns or Baron Corbin again, I'll be happy. And I think the best thing that ever happened to Roman Reigns was the pandemic. I'm going away for a while, obviously, because he had to go in a bubble or whatever it was, and coming back as a heel is completely transformed him. He looks more comfortable. He looks more confident. They seem to have more confidence letting him be himself as well. Like you can tell, he's not scripted as usual. Um, putting on with Heyman is genius because not only is it good for him on the mic but it's also Heyman you can tell just behind the scenes Heyman will just be giving him advice telling him ways to carry himself like just little things that he does in the ring now like when he walks around during his matches and just talks shit to his opponent but you can tell Heyman's involved in that as well yeah. and I think it's just been aye aye just it's how you it's how you should repackage somebody you know some people go away for a while and they come back with new ring attire but they're the exact same wrestler like <laughs> the character's not changed at all yeah. um, Roman Reigns changed almost everything about himself like attitude wise and it's like just had the best best possible outcome 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And Baron Corbin's arguing over Shinsuke Nakamura stealing his hat. Nakamura as well, man. There was a week on the road for Nakamura a couple of weeks ago, remember? Where it's like they were going to push him a wee bit. Yeah. Cesaro, and then he got his old music back and I thought oh my god is it finally happening and then he fucking steals somebody's hat and that's now they're in a feud cause it idiotic <laughs> but anyway we'll move on to Double or Nothing uh, this past uh, Sunday night uh, a full crowd at Daly's place how cool was it to have a full crowd like to, to have that visual of a full crowd I thought was absolutely sensational. It was amazing. I didn't realise, you know, because there was a crowd at Mania, so I was kind of like, oh, I was similar to that, but like a full capacity crowd. And also, it's a smaller arena, so they're more, you know, packed in on top of mm. each other more. And um, the noise was just amazing. I don't know if it was a louder crowd than usual, or if it just seemed that way because it's been so long, but the crowd was just up for it, and it made every single aspect of that pay-per-view better I think you know, the opening match between Paige and Cage which is <laughs> hard to say without Raymond um, crowd was just right into it which I, they probably wouldn't have been if it was just a regular show but because it was like the first match on a pay-per-view in front of a crowd they were just going wild for it and it was great it's aye magic like, well, that's the thing Adam Page is you know, we we talked about Nakamura. He's nowhere near as badly booked as Nakamura, but he's sort of like the one people are wanting to like sort of go for the world title. You know, he had the 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 flirtation with it, and you know, he was in the plus world title match with Chris Jericho. He's sort of just in and about the mid card at the minute. So you had this insanely overpopular guy going up against this heel that everyone hates in Brian Cage, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good back and forth match. Liked how Adam Page took advantage of the distraction from Team Taz, uh, and I'm actually more interested in the post-match shenanigans. Like, where does Brian yep. Cage go for here? You know, he's got he's got that FTW Championship. Does he start ending it? You know, does he start ending against like Hobbs and Hook and Ricky Starks to pull it yeah. Taz track back? I mean, I I'd be happy with that. I would be happy with a Brian Cage face turn, just totally saying. F you to Taz and everybody else and saying I don't need you look at the size of me like I don't need to go and obviously yeah. Taz has now got Hobbs there as well so and you know they look very similar body types and that that'd be a great match maybe for the FTW title even though it's not a real belt but it's like for Taz's approval or something like that it's like remember that, that Hardy Boys Edge and Christian Ladder match for Terry Services so it's just tired in a sharp cage. <laughs> <laughs> just these wee stumpy legs. Um, Have you ever seen It's the Bit in the Simpsons? I want you both fighting for your parents' love. This one the light on and off. Fight, 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 fight. Yes, that's exactly that. Um, and you're right, the post match stuff is good. Obviously, Ricky Starks can't wrestle now because he's hurt his neck. I don't right. know if Tazzy's son, who is fully trained yet, I don't know if he's been is in a match yet. Tazzy's son? I think so. I'm pretty sure that's Tazzy's boy. Alright. I I could be wrong, by the way. I just said that. I I think I heard somebody say that once. I just took it as gospel. I didn't actually bother researching it, so (laughs) could be wrong. Um, But I think it's Tazzy's son. Um, But I don't think he's wrestled yet in a match, as far as I'm aware. Um, No, he's just kind of ran about and battled people. He's like that. He's like that fanny for the young team that 
you know, he would, he'd never see him fighting his own, but as soon as nah, he'd he'd, 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 he'd kick, kick somebody when they were done. He'd kick somebody when they were done. We prick. Aye, I, I don't The possibility of um, Cage versus Hobbs at the next pay-per-view um, in Chicago is, is good for me. It, it might not happen. That might not be the way they're going with it, but that seemed to be the way they were teasing. Um, Page was over as fuck. I mean, the guy got shit chance um, when he came out. The crowd were going wild. Obviously, they still want him to be in the main event. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I think they're just. I think the plan is eventually for Page to take the tie off Omega. I think. Um, and I think the now is just sort of keeping him on TV. The now, until then. So he's still mm-hmm. doing something, but he's not involved in the main event scene until until it's time, probably. Um, but I, it worked out well. Both guys came off pretty much a perfect opening match. Crowd were into it, and we're now interested in both of them going forward. Exactly. Um, a match I wasn't too too enamoured with. Um, the Young Bucks defeat Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. David Campbell's been like a, a proper anti young buck sort of guy he you know he's he's not a fan of them at all i didn't like this and it, a lot of it goes down to commentary like we talk about wwe all being oh, one oh yeah i know you're going to say wwe is like the one guy's vision so like it's like this world it's like a north korea world where everyone's singing for the same hymn sheet and like if something's wrong the commentators don't point it out because they've been told don't point this out you know because it makes us look stupid but the Young Bucks were in, both of them were in the ring constantly. There was no, like occasionally you'd go, fuck, like get to the four count of the referee. Yeah. And then the Bucks would just look at them and go, fuck off. And <laughs> continue to have both of them in the ring. And next minute you've got JR on commentary going, hey ref, hey ref, Hi. hey ref. <laughs> You're like, oh for fuck. So that really kicked me at the match. Um, I like I like Kingston, I like Moxley. I do think the Young Bucks are great wrestlers, but I just think so often they have these sort of matches where it's like, oh, there's rules to tag matches? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I feel the opposite. <laughs> um, I love this match. I thought, it was a, I thought this was a great match. Um, I completely agree with you about the commentary and the refereeing. It's fine if you don't want to enforce a five count, but make that be the rule. And make it be known to the commentators and the audience that that's the rule. That we don't that the five count is, you know, it's like a it's like a closed fist. You're not supposed to do it, but we you're not going to disqualify them for it. No. But don't have the five count mean something in some matches when it suits the storyline, and then in others it doesn't because it's not consistent, and yeah. the audience doesn't know whether or not to take the referee seriously. <laughs> it's the same as um, was it that match? No, there was another match on this show, I can't remember when it was, and somebody went through a table and it wasn't an ODQ match, and the referee just ignored it, the fact that somebody put it through a table. Oh no, it's the it's the women's title match. Yeah, um, that's right, yeah. Rebel hits, hits Sting with, with the crutch, Rebel hits um, Britt Baker with the crutch mm-hmm. uh, when she was in with Shida, and it should have been a DQ, and the, yeah. the ref just ignored it. Yeah, aye. So, stuff like that, it's like, it's fine if it happens, but if that is happening, somebody needs to go on the headset to JR and be like, don't call it out because it makes us look stupid. Uh, and JR's right, like, the referee should have been counting to five, but don't point it out because it's making the referee look like a fucking dummy. 
and the fact that you're highlighting the fact that he looks like a dummy means people who didn't notice it now notice it. Aye. Do you know what I mean? So, GR is right, it should be worth the five count, but it shouldn't be calling it out. But at the same time, Tony Gann or whoever is on the headsets should be telling him, shut the fuck up, just don't mention Aye. it. Like, there's, don't like, there's like times where the Usos have done it and the New Day have done it. Like, the New Day once pointed out on uh, a talking smack back in the day. Yeah. Um, like, by the way, do you know you're only allowed um, plenty of official wrestling rules? You're only allowed to break up the count twice. Ah, uh, the third time's a DQ. Uh, third time's a DQ. They pointed uh, that out. See, since then, I've, uh-huh. I've watched, like, every time somebody, I'm like, that's one. <laughs> yes. That will never be enforced. That will never be enforced ever. No, no, I don't. I don't expect it to be enforced. It's just it's one of those things when somebody points it out, you can't help but notice it now. And that's the thing. Like that's been like a young bucks match with you know Shivani and uh, Excalibur calling it, and like you know, you know Shivani's like, oh, these guys have changed. These guys are assholes. Mm -hmm. Excalibur's trying to be the you know the middleman, trying to be you know. I just try to call it down the middle. Yeah. Then I wouldn't. I noticed it, but it was the fact that just every two minutes, Jr. was just shouting in the headset, "Are you ref?" Nah. Jr. had a shocker that night. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was just he's getting older. He'd run the drink or something, but he was just he kept on doing stuff like that throughout the night. With all that being said, I really liked the match. I thought the start of it was great when it was just like a hot start, as these things usually yeah. are when it involves Moxley and Kingston fighting around the ring and then sort of broke down into you know being a normal tag match um, I thought the Bucks have been great because I don't really like the Bucks either but I don't like them because they seem like wee dicks so the fact that they're heels to me is perfect because they're acting like wee dicks on purpose right. so I'm, I'm quite happy with that you know the fact that they wear the, the stupid ring attire now with the, the shoes and all that and the fact that they were sort of hot dogging to the crowd <laughs> and all that stuff I'm into it because they're assholes and you're not supposed to like them so the fact that I played up to that was was fine. I found it more difficult to enjoy a young box match when they were supposed to be baby faces and they're doing that shit. Yeah. Because it was like stopping a wee dick and just wrestle. <laughs> um, so I think the, the roles are a lot better now that heels. I thought Boxley was amazing. Like the way he works a crowd is just so good. Like um, that whole that one spot where um, they hit him with like four super kicks and he pinned him and kicked out at one and just sat up. The crowd went fucking mental. Like, just wee simple things like that, and the baby was looking at Kingston before he tagged him, and never. He let the crowd build up first, and then he done the big hot tag, and it was just, um, I thought it was a real good tag team match. I think, I don't remember the Young Bucks having a bad tag team match, to be honest, any EW so far. So I'd some that have been better than others, but I think, I spoke about it earlier, consistency. They've always had good matches. I know a lot of people, Dave Campbell just doesn't like them, or doesn't get them. And I, I totally understand that, but at the same time, they always deliver in the ring for me. I don't know about you, but that's they always deliver for me. I think no, I, that, that's something I've said. I think I think the annoyance here was I was taken out of it because of the poor commentary, the fact that they were doing that, and then the fact that I, I didn't think the match was that great. You know, I liked the hot chat, you know, the hot start. I liked, you know, what Moxley was doing and you know fighting from underneath. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just. I, I, I didn't think it was that great, that's the thing. I just, I just I didn't think it was that great. It's like the wrongest match of the night, but I just thought it was a really good match. And again, I think it's one of those things that the crowd really helped it. If this was an empty crowd, I probably wouldn't like the match. 
um, or even like when you have the wrestlers in the front like AEW were doing for a while but the fact that the crowd were so into it made me appreciate it more I think yeah. um, I just like Moxley and Kingston together as well because they're just cool as fuck aren't they <laughs> you know they are they are real are. Uh, speaking of things that are over as anything um, Jungle Boy by the way I um, I'm sort of a lax AEW viewer I sort of um I see the highlights before we record Central. I read up on what's going to happen on that show so we can preview it for... Because we always record on a Wednesday night. Yeah. But I've never... I've obviously not seen enough of Jungle Boy to realise how over he was with this crowd. I was was stunned because I think we thought... We we saw the names on this this Battle Royal list and we thought, right, that's a Christian Cage win right there. You know, he's came in, he stared down Omega, they're not going to do it straight away. This is going to be where Christian Cage gets his match. And he, Jungle Boy comes in, he gets the biggest pop of the night for the Battle Royal. Yep. And he's just so over, the crowd cannot get enough of him. Yeah. He is like a very, very, very old school type baby face because he's literally a baby face. Like, he looks about 12 years old. But he's, he is so good in the ring for his age. Um, and considering the fact you know he had that whole thing last year was it last year or two years ago where his dad died Luke Perry um, that's his dad as well I know Tazzy's dad and I know I know <laughs> too many people's dads right but my point is he sort of went through it wasn't he when he first debuted in the EW he was kind of like in the comedy gimmick with like the dinosaur and the wee guy but I think as a singles performer he's really really improved and I remember at the sort of start when Jericho was world champion. Don't remember um, he had a world title match against Jericho. Um, and Jericho put him over really strong. Obviously Jericho won the match, but like the way he spoke about him, he made him seem like a threat and stuff. And he was scared yeah. of how talented he was. And it's just been a natural progression. Each match he has, he gets better and better. He had a pay-per-view match against MGF, if you remember, um, a couple months ago. Maybe it was even last year. I don't remember. I think it was Revolution, which was the match of the night. How an MGF killed it. Um, MGF won, of course, um, by cheating because he's a heel, like like he's supposed to. Um, but I think then that was the sort of that was like a test for both of those guys. It's like, right, you're both young, you're both good. You're going to be the next big heel, MGF. Jungle Boy, you could be the next big face. So go have a traditional match, and he did. And it was really good, so I think that this battle royal was kind of like the test. Well, let's see how the crowd responds to him potentially being a world champion. And apparently, they're ready for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm like you, I would rather have Christian versus Omega, just... But I'm sure we'll get that at one point. Like, that's not going to go away. Jungle Boy's not going to win the title, but like, even if he can have a good showing against Omega to prove that he can handle the main event, I think that's all that this is really. I think that's what the end game is here to show that Jungle Boy is good enough to to be at the top level. I spoke for a long time there. I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was just. I let I let my dogs out at that time. I went out and opened the windows for them so they can. I'll send you a photo in a minute. There's a 
There's a couch in the conservatory because we're turning into a bar. The dogs are sitting there chilling like nobody's business like that, loving this. We sunroof and all that. <laughs> um, I, no, no, I fully agree. Um, you talked about his baby face and how young he looks. I mean, he gets that for his dad. You can understand how his dad got away with playing a teenager until he was like 42. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like I think Christian will get another chance, but this is like the sort of things battle royals are. I like battle royals because they're, they're the sort of thing where nobody looks bad losing a battle royal and you can have an underdog win it. And, you know, Christian gives him the nod of approval after and tells him, like, you know, you take this opportunity. They announced on the pay-per-view after the world title match that Omega's going to be fighting. Um, Omega will fight in two weeks. Yeah, so he'll, oh, fight, well, everybody. he'll fight everybody. He'll fight everybody. He's fighting Moose for the TNA title and then he's fighting Andrade for the Triple A Mexico title and then he's fighting Jungle Boy, like, on the Friday, so... That's and then he'll fight a great match. He's pension book and your half and his football kittens. <laughs> he'll fight everybody. <laughs> Aye, Kenny Mega just fights. He'll just go for the Lumsdale title next. Him versus Britt Baker next week. <laughs> Kenny Omega, he scraps with your da. <laughs> but I, I think um, the Battle Royal, it, it does, it does allow an, an underdog to come in. And AEW do do pay per views. Really, like two and a half months. So yeah. I think doing doing that, like a wee mini feud with Jungle Boy in the meantime, it, it doesn't take away from anything, and it does give Jungle Boy a bit of exposure, and it, it keeps fans happy because fans, I think fans want to see him in the title picture. They know he's over. They know he's not going to win at the minute because, you know, the, the way Kenny Omega's being booked, no one's going to beat him at the minute. Yeah, um, and it allows. It allows them to like, well, we'll put him in the main event. He's there. He's in our thoughts. Don't worry about it. He's not going away. I think I think that's quite good. Yeah, no, uh, uh, absolutely. I think it was done about as well as you could. The, the battle royal in general was was fine. Um, you know, these battle royals and are kind of. I, I don't like battle royals to be honest. I like royal rumbles. The battle royals are a bit oh, unless you know. There's always that, oh, but who's the surprise going to be? And that sort of makes and break, makes or breaks where the match is going to be good. So yeah. you can imagine my excitement. <laughs> I can imagine that I was doing backflips when I seen that. Another than checks notes. We all rush up here. <laughs> um, to the to the delight of what, four people in the crowd. Um, the crowd I, went mild. Ah, yeah, man, it was. Uh, and he was immediately but, eliminated. Remember when Dolph Ziggler was like number thirty a few years ago, and oh, he got eliminated. Aye, he'd been away for months. Dolph Ziggler had left. Remember he left his IC title on the ground after beating the Miz and said, "I'm going to go" or whatever. And he was away for like three months, and then he returned number thirty at the Rumble. And you're like, "Holy shit, it's Dolph Ziggler!" And he got eliminated. And it's just like, why the fuck did you waste the thirty spot on him if he's not going to have an impact? Well, even he doesn't even need to win it. But at least like create a feud or something. It was just like, no, I came in, did a couple of bouncy spots, kind of clumsily, and then was eliminated. Badly, yeah, badly. I wasn't even that, I wasn't even that, like, impressed what he did when he was in there. It wasn't as if he came in and he was, like, jumping about and doing all this amazing shit. He just done a couple of spots that weren't very good. <laughs> and then he could put in his arse. 
I honestly, I had a, so we'll, we'll quickly touch on this. A, Mark Henry's going to be a coach in AEW. He was introduced to the crowd. He comes out, just gives a wee wave of hello, and then a, then he, he heads back up the ramp. I heard that Mark Henry was going to be at AEW and was absolutely raging that he wasn't in the Battle Royal. I honestly yeah, would have... 100% would have been a much, much bigger pop and much better... Like, I it doesn't much better if it's Mark Henry. I, I would have thought it better if Big Show just walked along. See that wee... And that would be pathway walk. they've got towards copying any of this. Aye. If he just walked as this countdown started happening and everyone's like, wait, what am I... Wait, wait, it won't be. And he just rips his tap off, that just rips the shirt open. I bet you that people are just more excited for that. Uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, uh, or if he walks in the ramp and Leo Rush shows up and he punches him, gives him rocket punch and takes his place. <laughs> so if I get out of here, he have indie mark. <laughs> and just fucking steps into the ring and just eliminates everybody and wins. And beats Omega and becomes the new champ. <laughs> so we've we'll, we'll talked about the good, which was Jungle Boy winning and Jungle Bane being over. We've talked about the not so good, which was Leo Rush mm-hmm. as a surprise entrant. Let's talk about the downright shite. All right, Hold let's on. talk about yes. America. Fuck yeah! Oh, man. Let's like, talk about last week. I said to David Hockney because he had predicted, you know, Anthony Agogo's got that like deadly punch, which I really think you should call a DD. Like, is when you just belt somebody's arm as hard as you can. I think you should call it that, but. I don't think creative would go for it. Um, no, it would go over like with us and only us. Right, exactly. And so David uh, Hockney said about one punch, it would put him down. It would be great if we did all that. And I thought that would be funny. But Cody's playing America here, and it's the whole America don't lay down. America yeah. rises up, and when you put our face in the dirt, we stand back up. And it's just like no. It's going to be, it keeps getting up, it keeps getting up, it gets the win eventually. Lo and behold, it does. And, I it was, I, I, I really don't like talking about it much, to be honest with you. I'm, no, I mean, it was certainly the low point of the show. Because I thought, uh, overall, I mean, we'll get to the overall, but overall, I thought that show was great. Some really high moments. But this was, this was where the show was at, <laughs> at its least. I mean, I would much rather have watched Big Show versus Mark Henry. <laughs> Didn't watch this shit. Uh, so the next match, Miro, Lance Archer for the TNT title. I was a bit underwhelmed with this. I think the guys didn't get enough time. You know, there was all the Jake Roberts shenanigans and all that. But I think the crowd as well were pretty flat after the Cody match as well, which didn't help this match. Yeah, I mean, I felt bad for both guys. Uh, this was a decent match. It wasn't anything special, but it was pretty good. I would, I would happy happily watch them do it again, and some sort of like no disqualification street fight type scenario. But I will say this: the match, in terms of stars for me, gets gets a fucking Tokyo Dome six star because the spot with the snake was one of the greatest <laughs> things I have ever seen in wrestling. When he, he stops Jake from opening it, I thought he was helping Jake out. I thought Jake couldn't get the bag open if Miro was trying to cover for him. So he was just trying to buy some time. But when he started shaking the snake and then just fucking <laughs> launched it up the ramp 
<laughs> I marked the fuck out. That is amazing. That was so funny. I think it was supposed to be funny because commenta- the commentary team were doing their own heart voice, but they're like, "Oh my god!" Oh, he just froze as if he just died. I was oh. passionate myself laughing. Miro is so great as just this raging heel, and the fact that he just launched the snake right up the ramp. You can even see where it landed because it landed in the locker room or something. It was amazing. <laughs> so for that and that alone, best match of night. <laughs> Fair enough. Those my only comments on the match. <laughs> moving swiftly on, uh, the women's world title with Karashida. She's held the AEW Women's Championship for over a year. Um, I must say the AEW Women's Championship, uh, Championship Division, sorry, since the start of 2021 has got gradually better. However, the start of her reign, much like the start of Bailey's reign, the reason she held it so long was because there was literally nobody else. Yeah. Like we, we talked about the women's tag division being a bit poor. AW's women's division had been really poor, but there's been some great matches this year. You know, you, you had the the unsanctioned lights out match with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. You know, you had yeah. uh, Serena Deeb and Riho as well on the pre-show, which we never really Another great match, and this this match here, Britt Baker, who it's a bit weird. I feel like she's the only like real star she's she's the only person that's universally known like even by people that don't really watch AEW and yet this is the first time she's been on a pay-per-view main show since the first double or nothing I find that just so bizarre I think the reason is she has just transformed to where she was a year ago because a year ago even though she was quite well known I remember she wasn't having very good matches. I remember her first couple of AEW performances were quite underwhelming. And I was like, oh man, like quite disappointed because I, I knew, I'd seen her in matches in the Indies and I knew how good she could be. But I think the whole babyface dentist thing wasn't working for her. I think the best thing that happened to her was she was just sort of allowed to be herself a lot more. She started the thing with Rebel and with Tony Schiavone and stuff and then got her own talk show, talk show segment and was allowed to get a character over more and she just like transformed, it was like a, a switch flicked on her and whatever happened, it's just been magic ever since, she's been great for for the past year, but the last couple of months especially, like she became like the biggest star, it's not quite the same as you know Becky Lynch a couple of years ago where she sort of transformed into the man. It's not you know quite to the level of that, but it feels quite similar. But it feels like not only she's the biggest star in the women's division, but like she's one of the biggest stars on the whole roster, I think. But she's up there in probably the top five most over people in the AEW, I would say. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Karashida, like I, I like the story coming into the match with her as well. She'd said at the fan fest. I don't like the fact that people make it out like Britt Baker's the face of the women's division and the women's champion. I've held it for over a year. And she was talking about respect and I, I like that aspect as well. Yeah, uh, it was good. Um, good babyface logic from her to be like, look, I've got this title, which means I'm the best. If Britt Baker wants to be the best, then she has to beat me. And I'll, I'm quite happy to fight her. Um, another thing that's good as well, well, detail is the fact that they finally replaced the belt with an adult version. 
because that <laughs> that little tiny women's belt, like I know it's traditional or whatever, but it just looked stupid. Like it did, especially in the modern age when all the other titles look similar sizes. The men's title is humongous, and you've got this little tiny bracelet-looking thing. That I'm pretty sure, like you could put around your wrist. Like they've they've given the new belt, which makes it feel slightly more important. I would say. And I think giving it that big, giving it a lot of time and quite high up the card made it feel more important as well. Yeah. I, do you remind the, the WWE games years ago where like yeah. the belts were like pure, like it was as if they were plastered on, they looked oh, tiny. Oh, ridiculous, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then they eventually fixed it and like, you know, Goldberg looked amazing coming out with a big gold belt as opposed yeah. to like this plasticine thing around uh-huh. his waist. That, that's just what it reminded me of. But yeah. I liked the back and forth of the match. I liked um, the crowd were really hot for this. I think the crowd, half the crowd wanted Shida to retain because she's really over. The other half were really into Britt Baker, I felt. And just a, just a really good back and forth match. It was just a really good match to sit and watch. Yeah, I was. I would probably say this is my favourite match. Like, overall of the night. Well, what's up there? It was definitely a, a good match. I think after the war of the Cody match and then the, the Rusev and... Not Rusev. Oh, God. I'm going to get killed by some WWE marks. Um, the <laughs> AEW Miro. <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, Lance Kid, Whatever his name is. Um, Lance Archer. I'm joking. Don't kill me. I'm trying to joke. Um, remember he... Sorry to go off on a tangent here. Remember he was in TNA... As part of a tag team, and they had Christy Hemi as a manager, and they came out with like Guitar Hero guitars. Remember, <laughs> they were like a rock band. I, 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 uh, I'm not hundred percent sure you didn't dream this, Ryan. I'm going to be honest. I swear to God, like, I will, I will look this up later. But no, he was in a tag team with his name's escaping me right now. Uh, with somebody in TNA, Christy Hemi was a manager, they were like a rock band, like a fake rock band, and they came out with Guitar Hero guitars. And this was like when they had like the platinum blonde hair and the tramp stamp. Let's see the tattoo you've got the now. Lance Hoyt, aye. Lance aye, Hoyt, aye. yeah, and he came out wearing like ripped jeans, because of course he did. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. But um, then he totally transformed himself in Japan, thank God. Um, the point I was trying to make, sorry, that was a big tangent, is that that was definitely the low point where the crowd was at its quietest. But it worked, I think, in this match's favour because they've had a little break, so they were ready to get right back up for it again. This yeah. is when you, you're popping out to the merchandise stands and had your piss break or whatever <laughs> um, during the Cody match. So, like, you're re-energised by this. I think it helps, as I said, but it's a big star. And she does also, like... She might not be as over as Brett, but like she's about as respected or more respected as a wrestler. And I thought as a match, this was just really, really good. Really solid work. Not that many botches I can really think of, at least not big ones that they didn't cover. There was one moment in the match that was quite scary when they are going to do a move from the top rope. And she does seem to drop Brett on the top rope, on the turnbuckle. I don't really know what happened there. Um, but they recovered and made it work afterwards um, and yeah apart from the, the the finish which we spoke about earlier with the referee not disqualifying Rebel for 
hitting more of a crutch. Um, I thought this was a good match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, submission one as well, very definitive. Uh, so I look forward to seeing where they go from here. You talked about things to, like to get the crowd going. Darby Allen and Sting versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I felt they tried to quiet the crowd down because they did the whole beat down. They did the hot start for this tag match. You know, you yeah. had Sting diving off of uh, like the big pile of chips, which I thought was amazing. That you was had... an incredible spot. Not even just that. In fact, he took a suplex on the ramp at like 62 years old or whatever. Yes. Immediately stood back up. Push Scorpio off, and the fact is, like, this is just a little detail. But the fact that he took his t shirt off, now, Sting did yes. this in TNA for a while, he wrestled in his t shirt, and I think he went by wanting to do it in WWE. Maybe he's no, because he's not in the same shape that he was, obviously. But the fact that he took his t shirt off and he just looked as ripped as he was, at least in TNA, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he looked like 10, 15 years younger, at least, and then the dive itself, the crowd were going crazy. I, I was loving it. Because I was, I had no expectations for this match at all. I yeah. thought this would just be Sting stood inside the entire time. Darby Allen was getting beat up the entire time, and Sting would come in for the last five seconds and hit a Scorpion Death Drop. But all the, the amount of stuff that Sting was doing, like he he clearly wanted to prove. This is what I think. <laughs> I think that Sting's raging at that Triple H match at WrestleMania, and he's like, "That's not how I'm going to be remembered." <laughs> And he showed them that I'm better than this. Um, and he's been out there and he's definitely, definitely proved that he's still got it. Well, the reason I said about making the crowd quiet, they did for a wee bit after the hot start make Darby Allen basically the punching bag of Scorpio and Ethan Page before yeah. Sting did get the big. And I think it was because, yeah, you could do the suplex. And I think, see if anyone else had been suplexed on a ramp or just dove off that. Because it's no, no exactly that high, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. the guy who used to jump off a wall. Like, uh-huh. it's no exactly that high. Uh-huh. But see, because we know Sting's neck problems and back problems and the fact yeah. he's retired, I I think that's still fresh in the mind. So, like, the impact so much more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why, that's one of those genius ways of doing so much more with less. Like, we see all these crazy spots, Canadian destroyers off scaffolding and all this shit. And it's just like, I can go and try and kill yourself, but that's not impressive after a while, once you see it a million times. But it just shows you how big a star this thing is, that a little thing like that, because of how well-known he is, it just connects with the audience, because they're like, holy shit, when it, like, that's what I did, and I was sitting watching it, and I seen him take that suplex. I cringed a little bit, and even, like, you could hear Shivani and stuff and, on commentary, but I'm like, oh man, that's not good. And then as soon as he shot up, the crowd went mental. Just a, a simple thing like standing up after a suplex, the crowd yeah. were all for it because they're like, "Holy shit, that's fucking sixty-two!" And he just stood up after that suplex. Um, Scorpio and Fairness sold it brilliantly when he was standing behind him and he was doing the whole facial expression. Um, and then, as I said, when they ripped the shirt off again, a little simple thing like taking the shirt off, crowd popped like crazy. <laughs> Again, a little dive, not that dangerous, quite safe, just a crossbody. Then they do like a 450 or a 650 or whatever. It's a normal crossbody, kind of mental. Because I think, like me, most people didn't have any expectations to see anything like this. So the fact that Sting was even doing it in that physical was just enough. They just wanted to see Sting I think, get through the match without hurting himself. 
Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, was a decent finish as well. I like the finish. Scorpio Sky goes for the cutter, gets caught, gets dropped with the death drop. One, two, three. I just wonder where where Sting goes. Does he eventually lead Darby Allen to the world title scene, or does Darby or does he turn on Darby? Does Darby turn on him? I, I think it's really interesting to see where it goes. Um, I would like to have them see him have a singles match I with would. someone that isn't. Darby, if you get me, just because yeah. I, I don't, I, I've got nothing against Darby. I actually really, really like Darby Allen and the pop he got. By the way, when he came out, he he's really, oh, he's really, a star, he is he's a, a he's a bona fide star. Yeah, and that spot where Ethan Page threw him into the crowd on top of his brother. Aye, shit. Aye, and uh, would you call it? But I just I don't want it to be like, oh, he just kind of hung about with Darby, or he just kind of. Like Darby did all the work, sort of thing. I'd I'd like him to see him, if possible. I was, it might not be possible. You know, he is sixty-two year old. I can barely go up the stairs in my house without getting out of breath, and I'm twenty-seven, uh, twenty-eight. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, you I'm know, not I, expecting I much. I think we will see a singles match from him at some point. I don't think it will be. It might be against Darby, but I think that if he worked with somebody experienced and trusted. I, th- I mean, it's probably going to be Jericho. I mean, Sting and Jericho, I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think they fought each other in WCW, as far as I remember. I don't think so. Or WWE, and Jericho's one of those guys that he's knows how to move in the best either. He's getting old. So they two could probably put together a nice, safe, slower paced match, which is more about psychology than it is about crazy moves. Um, yeah. Or even Cody. I mean, we spoke about Cody earlier, but I wouldn't mind Cody versus Sting. Because Sting's wrestled his father a million times, so it'd be kind of interesting to see that. Or Dustin, even for that matter. Mm-hmm. Where they're both got face paint, they could do something with, with the whole face paint shit. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want him to turn on Darby or vice versa. I don't think Darby or Sting is suited to being a heel. I just think they're too popular. It's like they try to make Jeff Hardy, he just doesn't work. Like, mm, they're just yeah. too popular, they're going to be cheered no matter what, so don't even bother trying. Like, he can just break away and Darby can do his own thing, or Sting can do his own thing. They can still be associated with each other. Um, but Sting can still go off and have a side feud with somebody else. Um, but again, I don't want to see him on TV every week. I think Sting should go away for a while and then come back maybe at the next pay-per-view. But I think you're kind of ruining it just by overdoing it constantly with the whole thing shown up so I wouldn't mind them I don't know I can't think of a perfect opponent off the top of my head I don't know if you've got any ideas but like uh, Sting versus I really don't but um, MJF even and uh, a retirement match and then MJF can retire him and get heat for it I don't know oh, like that. that'd be amazing well we're, uh, we're talking about dream opponents you know you and I um, you know we've recorded this in parts because of obviously you, you've got the wains today, you're on daddy yeah. duty. Um, a, a news story broke while, and we, we will, we'll end the show with it because it's the big story. I think we should go out on a big, big note. But right. WWE has, we'll just touch on it just now. WWE, while we're on air, has released several stars and we'll, we'll get more into it later uh, before we, would you call it, uh, before we talk about the last two matches of uh, Double or Nothing. But they have released, just to get a list up here, 
No, I don't just this is news to me, like, I don't know this either. I knew that there was releases coming today, but I've not heard any names yet. So like Dude, so you're hearing it for me, aye? Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing mate, of who it is. Mate, some of them have been on TV within the past forty eight hours. Oh, like, let me guess. We can't guess. <laughs> All right, cool. Right, right. Okay. So one of them wrestled on Raw on Monday night. Uh, uh, Jackson Raker. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> a, woman, a woman. A woman's uh, name. Is it Shayna? It's not Shayna. No. Um, no uh, so I'll, I'll give <gasps> is it Tamina? No. <laughs> no I'll give you. Would you call, I'll give you three of them who haven't really featured on TV, right? So there's Santana Garrett, Buddy Murphy, and Ruby Riot. They've been released, okay? Oh, really? Yes. Ah, oh, man. See. Uh, okay, we'll get into it later. But that's it's, it's right. expected at this point. Do you want me to give you the other three? Uh, yeah, go for it. Lana. Oh, right. That okay. Who, that, that was who wrestled on Raw on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Are you ready for this one? Uh-huh. Braun Strowman. Really? Yep, Braun Strowman. Holy shit, bro! I thought uh, he was had a job there for life. He was I don't know. Well, so someone in the chat put, "How did I think it was either Scott or Campbell? How did Braun go from wrestling the boss's son at WrestleMania to being in the WWE Championship match at the next pay per view to uh-huh. then being released?" Yeah, I see the final. That, oh yeah, sorry, there's one more. Yeah, sorry, who's that? Yeah. Alistair Black. They just brought him back. I know. Uh, that, 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 they should have released him months ago when they released everybody else. They, were, they, they repackaged him, bring him back to TV. And then, okay, right. He's tweeted. Uh, uh, this is the last thing I'll say on the matter. Then okay. we'll do the last two double or nothings. And we'll, we'll talk about all the other news because there is other news this week okay. uh, before we get bogged out. Because this is going to be the big one. But we'll battle through everything else and we'll finish on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Alistair Black tweeted out, I'm gathering my thoughts as this was completely left field for me as obviously we just started the Dark Father character, but this was it. Thank you so much WWE Universe for allowing me to create and give you small bits of myself. Uh, and you, You've got to think, like, what's her face? Selena, Selena Vega, Vega we, we, we talked about her last week. She's rumoured to be coming back to the company. Well, yeah. Do, I don't does think this, anymore. Uh, does this hinder her? Yeah. And uh, Sean... Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com he tweeted out the only way I can rationalise these kind of cuts is for an eventual sale. Several of these people signed big contracts before the pandemic when WWE were in talent holding locked them up for years mode. So WWE is basically just another company a victim of the pandemic and unfortunately a lot of these people have lost their jobs but we'll get back into AEW at the moment because we could see some of them there soon and we'll talk about the AEW World Championship match and if you'll allow me a minute I'm going to talk about what was the greatest moment of the pay-per-view okay it was so the AEW World Championship match Kenny Omega Orange Cassidy and Pac I have a love-hate relationship with Orange Cassidy. I sometimes like him, sometimes I don't. I hate those stupid kicks. He where he puts his hands in his pockets and just kind of taps the legs and the oh, yeah. fans make it out. And he did it to Pac and Pac looked him up and down and as he went to kick him again, Pac full-forced kicked Orange Cassidy in the balls. And yeah. I properly laughed out loud like guffawed it was yeah. hilarious. It was just. It, it was like, is this 
pretty serious, like bang, right in the balls, and you just heard the commentators weren't expecting it, the crowd weren't expecting it, everyone just went, oh! <laughs> I don't even think Munch Cast was expecting it. Uh, I don't know if they talk, spoke about that spot before. <laughs> um, ah, it was great. I mean, Pack and Munch Cast, they had one of the best matches ever at all out. Was it last year? Two years ago? Who knows? Uh, it was a uh, revolution. Uh, ah, it was uh, Orange Cassidy's yeah. first singles match, I think, at AEW. Yes. And it was a brilliant match because it, it was Orange Cassidy doing his thing and Pac just the polar opposite, ultra serious, no bullshit guy. Uh, and they played off each other amazingly. I thought this match was excellent. I had not low expectations, but I was like, look, we know that Kenny's going to retain the title here. There's no, there's no way. If they're going to go with it, they'll, they'll give it to Pack. Possibly, they're not going to give the world title to Orange Cassidy. Like this is there just because he's over. He's never going to win it. But it's a mark of a good match to me. That by the end of the, by the end sequence of the match, I was like, Orange Cassidy's win this fucking title. But they had me believing that he was actually going to do it. Yeah. When I was like, I had absolutely no like no way is he winning this title before the match I was just like it's, it's stupid like it's clearly going to be Omega because like, he's setting up for this pay-per-view is like all out he's going to be champion like they're not going to give it to Orange Cassidy they might give it a pack but that's a very outside chance but by the end of the match it was so believable and so three guys were all good was, were so good but I was just like they're going to give him this fucking belt <laughs> 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 like that's what good yeah. it was and the uh, Aye, it was just a great match overall. Kenny was a great heel, even the start of the match where he, he told the referee to go check on Pack, and then as soon as the referee turned his back, he like blindsided Gasly to start it, and then he ran away for Pack kind of thing, because he showed that he was kind of scared. Of, well, the story was he was kind of scared of Pack, and even Don Carlos, who was on commentary, who done a great job, I thought, was kept on sort of referring to how he's a bit afraid of Kenny versus Pack. Um, so I, I thought it was, I just thought this was great. Um, all all round. Yeah, um, I liked as well. So we we talk about the sort of laid back attitude of Orange Cassidy. That kind of cost him here, um, where he goes for like the sort of lazy cover. He just sort of lies back, his hands in his pockets. He thinks he's beat Omega, and Omega, as the new ref runs in, gets him the crucifix pin, rolls him up, pins him, and Orange Cassidy. You can tell. He's absolutely raging with himself. Aye, yeah, yeah. Aye. <laughs> he is absolutely raging with himself. And um, I, th- I think this could be a catalyst for further matches. And maybe, like, as much as I don't like it, we talked about Vince McMahon not getting stuff that is over. Orange Cassidy's yeah. over as hell. The, the gimmick can stay, but I think he'll maybe introduce a more serious side in these title matches, like it mm. can't be phased by like trash talk and all that. That's fine. That's like a cool, like yeah. Un- but when the bell rings, yeah. But when the bell sort of rings, aye, sort of like like the Jesse and Festus gimmick. <laughs> no, I was going to say more like Big E, where he's a guy that has fun, but like yeah. you saw what when Apollo slaps him, he looks him like, did you just slap me? Yeah, well, he's a, he's a fun-loving guy. Everybody loves Orange Cassidy. He's cool Aye. and stuff. But when the bell rings, he's all business. And then as soon as the bell rings again, he puts his shades back on and fucks off. I will say this, though. One of my favourite spots the entire night, on the entire show, was um spot where Kenny Omega's trying to give him the dragon, dragon suplex um, off the top rope. And 
to counter it, Orange Cassidy's fighting to put his hands <laughs> in his pockets. Um, yes. And the crowd are going mental. Is that, they're going, oh. And as soon as he got his hands in his pockets, it was like he had a vase like grip. Even though all he's done is putting his hands in his pockets, but it actually felt like there's no way you're lifting his hands out here. They're, they're cemented. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then <laughs> Pack does the move. I think Pack gems to put some or something off yeah. the top and um, it just leaves Orange Cassidy standing there on the top rope with his his pockets just looking absolutely cool as fuck it was a really good spot and it was a good way as you said to use one of those sort of comedy spots but in the context it actually helped him out in the match he wasn't just doing it to get a laugh he was doing it because he was trying to counter a, like a deadly move so I think if you do little things like that in these matches that's fine but aye, don't go all out with it, especially in a, a big title match. It's fine when you're fighting fucking Cole Cabana on AEW Dark or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But not in a, not in a pay-per-view world title match, because if you don't take it seriously, then how are the fans supposed to take it seriously? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I get what you mean. Um, so we'll move on for that. Uh, Kenny Omega is now fighting Jungle Boy in two weeks for the AEW world title. He obviously will have unfinished business with um, with um, Orange Cassidy. Sorry, Pack yeah. was pinned, so he's got an argument there. And of course, yeah. Christian Cage sort of sniffing around. So as an interesting title scene, he's certainly got challengers lined up for the next few weeks, yeah. and it will be quite interesting to see where this goes. Something else that'll be quite interesting to see where it goes is the finale of the Inner Circle Pinnacle rivalry because. They are now at one apiece after Stadium Stampede. Inner Circle managing to beat uh, the Pinnacle in the Stadium Stampede. Uh, what did you think about that? And if you've seen the um, if you've seen the first Stadium Stampede, how would you compare the two? Um, well, I'll answer the, the last part of that there first. I thought the first Stadium Stampede was better, personally, but that's only because I think they went no pun intended here, right? But they went all out in terms of like. The, the sort of goofiness of it like they knew that they were in the middle of a pandemic so they thought they would just go a bit nuts they went definitely the comedy it more the first time uh, I love I still to this day love the spot where they were drowning Matt Hardy in the pool he'd pop up in a different gimmick um, <laughs> that was great like so all that stuff I thought the first one was better in terms of like just comedy and over the top shenanigans <laughs> but um, I thought this one was really good though like, I still really enjoyed this match um, they paired them off a lot more in this match we had it was sort of just like Guevara and Spears Jericho and MJF um, and the two tag teams and then the two big guys Hager and uh, Wardlow and that's fine but it didn't feel like as much of a, a a brawl or like a team like gang warfare kind of thing because they were all so separated it just felt like a series of different singles matches happening, um, which is fine. Like it's not a big deal, but uh, that was the only sort of minor problem with it. But I will say, all the MJ, MJF, and Jericho stuff was hilarious. I thought that was really good. Those guys have just got amazing chemistry. Um, I, I was actually Jericho was so good at selling his elbow. I wasn't actually sure if it was a legit injury or not. I'm still not sure to be honest. Because like he was selling it constantly, and I was just like, "Is he really hurt his elbow?" Like I, I still don't know. Maybe it does. I think it, it may be a prop, but um... yeah. Well, I'm sure it didn't need the whole big cast as much as they did. I think that was probably exaggerated, but it did look to be in serious pain a lot. 
Maybe it's just because he's in his fifties and he's just sewn all over. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I thought they do. They do have done some funny stuff. Um, I, I liked the the disco section. Even though why is there a disco? Uh, empty football <laughs> stadium. I don't. I, that was one only thing. It's like that's funny, but like, why is it there? And why is there only like four people at it? Like, see if it was packed with people dancing and stuff to give it atmosphere. But there was like four or five people sitting drinking plastic cups of beer. It was very strange. Um, but it was it was fun and it was nice to see Conan because I'm pretty sure that he almost died very recently. Yeah, um, yeah, he has had heart problems and I think he he did contract COVID and he has a look at a high risk. Yeah, so and I'm pretty sure that it wasn't walking on his own for a while. He was in a wheelchair and stuff, so good to see him at least standing. Obviously, wasn't yeah. going to get involved physically in any way, but like it was just good to see him in decent looking health. Um, but only disappointing with that is that that was really the only thing that um, the pinnacle and inner circle done. Uh, sorry, not the pinnacle and inner circle. Um, FTR and um, Ortiz and Santana done. I felt that they had very little to do in this match. Probably the least. Yeah, I think. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. No, no. Uh, a lot of it was very Jericho MGF centric, as it should yeah. be. They are the, the the leaders of the factions. A lot of time on Guevara and uh, Sean Spears. Guevara does have the sort of redemption storyline. He was kicked out during like, MGF's wee time in the inner circle. Yeah. Um, and he took the pin last year on Stadium Stampede. So there's that redemption story. But I just, I find him the, not the least interesting though, because Jake Hager's there. But Jake Hager's <laughs> a purpose, you know what I mean? Jake yeah, Hager yeah. is multi-dimensional. Muscle. Jake Hager yeah. is a, an MMA fighter, whereas Sammy Guevara's just like a wee dick. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, there was, I would you call it, there was a promo when Sean Spears came to AEW where he says, always bet on yourself. And it was like the number 10 card. Yeah. And it's like, I can see why Triple H gave you a number and told you to run with it because you're boring as fuck. <laughs> like you, you are really, really dull. He is like, I, I, I love FTR. I love, I, I love FTR. I think Wardlow's got a lot of promise, and MGF is such a good heel. I just, I don't like Sean Spears is like the Tony Roma of this this <laughs> faction. Or like, I mean, see, when you see, would you call it? photos of like Rangers and Celtic winning the title and it's yeah. always like the guy that didn't play like Marion Shved or Greg Stewart holding the title and it's like Aye. what did you do to Warren even being in these celebrations yeah, let alone like, holding the title yeah it's like see um, that guy who played for Rangers like for five minutes he was like a Slovakian guy a winger wise or whatever his name was Oh, and he's always all over Twitter like giving out all the Rangers stuff it's like you played for Rangers for five minutes and won nothing shut up (laughs) I mean it's like it's one of those guys I must must stop you there he um, he set up the winner in a League Cup final win over Celtic so I I remember just putting that out I don't know that (laughs) (laughs) wait sorry we're getting off topic Um, that's a that's a theme of this podcast mate it's all good he's oh here's a wrestling way to put it well, you've got the four horsemen, and then there's Mongo Mount Michaels. <laughs> Sean Spears is the, the Mongo <laughs> of the Pinnacle. Um, I don't make Sean Spears actually. Like, 
he's certainly the least interesting. I don't hate him, but I don't like him. He's just there. Like, if he was released, I probably wouldn't notice. Um, I liked the whole Ty Downer, Downer thing for a minute. I liked that he, he came into the Royal Rumble that one year as number 10. That's, That's pretty much it. <laughs> but still, he's, he's a decent enough wrestler. He's not got any personality. But again... No, he, he had personality and decided, no, no, I don't want to be Ty Dillinger anymore. And I'm then, a super serious like, guy. I'm super serious. And it's like, what have you got to be angry about? You're married to Peyton Royce. I know, by the way. Which, by the way, that could be another potential incoming signing for AEW. Yes. Yeah, well, um, she has jobs, has got the link there, and she yeah. is a very well sought after competitor, her and Billy Kay. She, they're both sought after in my dreams. I'm um, sorry. Anyway, so they all <laughs> just quickly go past that. Um, they all split off any teams. Uh, do you know what? The thing that I did like was Wardlow. Is it Wardlow? Am I saying that right? I think so. Wardlow. No, no, Wardlow. Wardlow. Wardlow, yeah. Uh, Wardlow and Hager. Actually, I really like those two together. I thought Bud and Guts, their pairing was really good. Um, I liked when they were fighting in the big freezer and you could just see the swinging meat. Uh, that was a cool visual and something you don't very Sorry, see in wrestling. My mind went elsewhere. <laughs> you have the swinging meat. Come on now. I did, that, was a, that was a softball I just threw at you. Um, so, aye, the swinging meat was entertaining for me, so take from that sentence what you will. Um, the spot where Hager chokeslammed him. Through the, the the pallets or whatever it was was quite looked quite painful. Um, I did like when Sammy Guevara was handcuffed. I thought that was quite smart. I thought maybe that was a tactic from the pinnacle, like they were going to split them up and then handcuff them at different parts of the stadium. So it was like just Jericho on his own or something. It'd be like a four and one, but because um, Sean Spears is a fucking idiot, he just walked away and didn't look on the ground and see there's cutters right beside him. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the match can, the match breaks off. Whatever, it's fine. My favorite, not my favorite part of the match, but the the, the one spot in the match that sticks out to me best or worst, depending on what way you look at it, is eventually Guevara and Spears make their, their way into the stadium, well, into the the building proper and towards the ring, and then Spears gets a, a chair. And I don't know about you, but like it's been so long since like WWE or AEW for that matter have done like an unprotected headshot with a chair that now when you see it, I, I cringed like fuck it looked so painful. Mm-hmm. Spears swung that chair as hard as he could and it hit Guevara right in the fucking face and it looked so sore. And the crowd didn't even pop, like, it, you could tell it was good, or bad, depending on the way you look at it. The fact that the crowd in the front weren't, like, cheering, that show all went silent, and I sort of like, holy shit, it's your eight, kind of way. Um, which would have been great, but then they kind of ruined it, because two seconds later, Guevara kicked out at two. It was just like, that should have been the end of the match. Like, that was a match-ending move, and the fact that he kicked out at two, and then was, like, Doing a six thirty, like thirty seconds later, to win the match, kind of killed it for me. I just felt that after that horrendous chair shot, he shouldn't have been able to walk. Never mind do big crazy flips. Yeah, um, I, I I do agree with your overall thing about how 
it's not it's not as good as the first one. I think the first one was a lot more funny, and I think with the with the you know the elite guys who do have a history of you know some funny stuff uh, with like being the elite and all that, and Matt Hardy who's really creative with the Hardyverse and all that. Whereas this is, um, I think, planning for this one was really just Chris Jericho, and Chris yeah. Jericho's like Chris Jericho's like the, that six guy. And now, like the, you know when it's always like from two of the six guys that brought you scary movie, uh, he's like the final guy. <laughs> like, like the, for those things like epic movie, Jericho thinks he's funnier yeah. than he is. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was okay, but I felt it dragged at bits. I didn't like that people were just paired off and like no one else like kind of interacted other than like the set pairings. Yeah, uh, and but I did like the limo in. Uh, and then them arriving in the truck like the A-team and yeah. uh, the inner circle like raft coming down to the rafters and zip line. Cool. that was cool but I think I think that the first one was better I think it yes, suffered in, this one suffered in comparison but overall AEW double or nothing really really good show I thought yeah no, I, I would give it a thumbs up I mean I put it this way Annoyingly, I, I paid full price for this, which I never do for people use. But I just get paid on Thursday, so I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. 20 quid. And usually, if I spend that much money on a pay per view and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it was worth it, then I would, I'd be raging. <laughs> like that last AEW pay per view, the one that Matt Hardy almost died at, remember? Um, yes, yes, I very much remember. <laughs> but, uh, this was great. For the point I'm trying to make, and sorry, I'm it's a long-winded way of saying it, is that it was totally worth the money. And despite you know the whole Cody America bullshit, that was really the only low point in the show. Like everything else was great. As I said, even the Miro match, he threw that fucking snake. That was my twenty quid right there. No, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, good stuff, man. It was, it was good all round. So the only low points were. For that good match, as we said, and sort of GR on commentary, shitting on the referees, which as I've discussed before, I agree with him, but don't say it, don't bury your own referees on your own show. But again, somebody should be in his ear, can like shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, but again, that's it. That's my only that's my only downside. So a pretty pretty good show overall, and uh, it sets up more interesting television coming up. Cause I think th- AEW are concentrating on Dynamite as well being good whereas I feel like WWE in comparison they're just trying to build towards the pay-per-view but if they have a good pay-per-view they'll just have shitty weeks of TV which is just fluff in between the pay-per-views whereas I think AEW from what it seems like are trying to have a really good episode of Dynamite every week instead that's why they're having Jungle Boy versus Omega on Dynamite instead of on a pay-per-view yeah so they you could definitely do that with WWE. The only annoying thing is, see the IC title yeah. or the US title. Uh-huh. Like they'll do like like swaps. They did the John Cena Open Challenge. Yeah. But then they don't really let anyone else run with it. And then they'll do like the heel Open Challenge. But then the guy comes down. and He goes, "Hold on, I said you get an opportunity at the US Champion. I didn't say it was a US uh, Champion title match." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, Tate. Yeah, I mean, like I think if WWE basically put the faith in someone like a, a Ricochet or a Cedric Alexander or or you know even even Sheamus in his current iteration yeah 
but instead of the whole oh no it's not an act and gave them something like a TV title WWE could have a guaranteed good match on TV every week which yeah. is, is never a guarantee with WWE and I think that really I, I seen a tweet and someone went it feels like AEW's pay-per-views lead to the end of certain chapters of feuds but yeah. there's still more to come so it's the yeah. end of a chapter but it's straight a straightforward end that leads to the next chapter yeah. whereas WWE is screwy finishes and like you know they, they don't have a problem with one guy getting beat constantly but then oh no we can't have this guy lose so you're going to have to win by nefarious means uh-huh. you know what uh, I mean? yeah. whereas you didn't get that with AEW and yeah, I, I thought it was really worth the money, even though I watched it on a dodgy stream. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Um, but we'll move on uh, to... There wasn't a lot to talk about on Raw this week, other than the fact that... Well, so I, I put my foot in my mouth and talking it both sides of my face here. Uh, Raw did have a really good match on it this week, and it was Kofi Kingston and Drew McIntyre. Yep, yeah, real good. Um you know, Drew winning to fight Bobby Lashley at the next pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell, you know, we've seen that match before, but it's fine, like, I would rather see Kofi versus um, Lashley just because it's a bit fresher, or even a triple threat match, um, but I'm, I'm happy with it, I don't even know if it's in a cell, do you know if it's a Hell in a Cell match? It's not Hell in a Cell, it's a, well, it's been touted as a singles match at the moment. But. For now, I mean, I suppose that could change by the time it comes to it. So, yeah, yeah if they'd done a Hell in a Cell match, I'd be more interested, because at least it's a different gimmick, like the match will be a bit different, but if they just have a, a copy of their match at WrestleMania, then I'm not really, or a backlash, um, I'm not really that interested, to be perfectly honest with you. But it was a good match with him and Kofi, I mean, Drew, say what you want about him, a lot of people are complaining that he's getting you know pushed too hard and stuff i don't really see how that's possible if he's not champion but anyway um i i already he's always I, consistent yeah i think i already know what's going to happen and can i can i lay something out for you yeah 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 so i think drew is going to lose at hell in the south through nefarious means right. i think the first tv taping that they have in front of a lot because I think those TV tapings with four money in the bank where there's a crowd oh, right. there okay. I think Drew will win the title in front of a crowd a full capacity crowd right then in money in the bank because they're going to want their stars in this big money in the bank match and because as we mentioned before they've released about 40 people I think Drew and Bobby will fight one last time because nobody really cares about the title match at money in the bank or Royal Rumble because it's yeah. the it's the title match the title or matches you want to see I should say and yeah. not the actual title matches themselves <laughs> um, so I, th- I think that's are you trying happen. to say that Hardcore Holly versus Brock Lesnar wasn't the main event of that Royal Rumble that one year Hardcore Holly the man charisma forgot anyway moving <laughs> swiftly on um, <laughs> uh, NXT although they, it seems to be the one bright spot of WWE TV at the moment uh, NXT um, has announced a fatal five way for their In Your House pay-per-view. It takes place the same weekend as uh, Hell in a Cell. So June 13th and June 14th of this year are going to be quite quite a good week because we're going to have TakeOver on Saturday and then Hell in a Cell on the Sunday. Uh, there was a triple threat match this past week on NXT. Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano. Uh, 
to fight for the number one contendership carrying cross. Adam Cole interferes and battles everybody with a chair. Adam Cole comes out and calls carrying cross out and says he wants the title match. Regal says, No, you're no weaseling your way into the title match. Carrying cross then yells at Regal, shut up, which apparently always works. He says, I want every one of them. So we're going to have a fatal five-way of Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, and Pete Dunne, which I am I'm pretty buzzing about. Yeah, I mean, I'm buzzing about. It. I'm sure that'll be a great match because all five of those guys are great. Um, I, but, but I'm sort of with you in the. Is that really how they're booking it? Like, just he just asks for it and he gets it. Like it just, it's it's not as bad as the whole Rhea Ripley thing where she just walks up to ask him, just like, "Can I got a title match?" and ask his laugh. I'm gonna need an answer. No, fuck off. Yeah, do it now. You need to answer in a Japanese accent. No, no. I no. got you there. I got you. Doing softly odd. Sorry, I just wanted to see how racist you are on it. No, 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 no. But no, I'm, no. I'm glad to find the line. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly back to the wrestling. Um, yes. Yeah, I can I can see how people maybe don't like that, but I would rather they did that a couple of weeks out. Like you know, we have two weeks of this mad mental build of five people just all well, scrapping yeah. each other. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but the go home show is that weird? I and we've not we've not had the whole. Well, this guy's now been added. Now this guy's been added. This guy's yeah. been taken out. But this guy's going to take his place. <laughs> like it, it's a case of they five are fighting. Your two weeks of great TV where they battle lumps at each other. Yeah, but oh, you say nobody's been added, but there's still time for a six guy to be added. You know, maybe Finn Balor. I don't know. Maybe they'll change it to like a fucking ladder match or something. Do you know what I mean like? I hope they don't. But you know, they can still add things. So it's not been out of the budget. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I'm quite happy um, with the five way if it stays like this. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss the the NXT uh, and Hell in the Cell cards uh, the week of the show. Uh, we'll do a preview for Central that week, but I'm just going to run down the card quickly. Zia uh, Lee is going to take on Mercedes Martinez. Ellie uh, Knight with Ted DiBiase is going to take on Cameron Grimes. Can't wait for that. And Raquel Gonzalez will take on Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Championship, which should be a great match there. But we'll move on to the other news, and obviously the big news is the releases. We'll save that for last. But when I asked, so I always ask the guys in the group chat, any any news stories that you think we should talk about on Central this week? Daniel, so you can blame Daniel for this, he's the, the harbinger of doom. Okay. Uh, put, apparently WWE's preparing more releases. This is before we recorded, and then as yeah. on air, you know, everyone gets released. But um, uh, Jimmy Smith debuted as the new ring announcer on Raw. Tom Phillips was released, apparently, during the week as well. That's ones. right, yeah. Uh, I, know David Campbell, that one at all. I know David Campbell loves him. What are your thoughts on Tom Phillips? I have no strong thoughts, but like, I would much rather have him than anybody else like he's, he doesn't do a particularly bad job he's not I don't think he's the best thing ever but I would rather hear him than Michael Cole mm. and I'd rather hear him he reminds me of do you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of a lot of um, Todd Grisham remember yeah. Todd Grisham yeah. perfectly fine vanilla right down the middle guy he's not annoying to listen to but he's not like Maru Ronaldo but he can't not listen to <laughs> do you know what I mean he's yeah. 
he's right down the middle, <laughs> perfect vanilla guy. I can concentrate on my wrestling match without having having hear ref, ref. It's a five count. God damn it! <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. So I basically what I'm saying is I, I don't know why they fired him. It's just as I put him back on Raw. Problem solved. Doesn't really get it. Apparently, Jimmy Smith did an okay job. I've I've only seen the main event of Raw, and I didn't pay much attention to his commentary. Yeah, I just uh, watched the highlights, and again, he didn't stand out either way to me. Molly Holly had apparently a tryout as a producer on Raw this week as well. So hopefully that goes well because I think Man, they need female producers. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we talk about Quacko's brought it up before as well about, you know, things that maybe get through that th- things that we wouldn't maybe see as sexism or racist. Mm-hmm. Whereas when people maybe do see them that way. He's saying, well, the fact that no one in the company, not one person, thought it was maybe racist or sexist and bad taste shows that there's not enough equal representation. And that, that I think yeah. that's a really fair point to take on. And hopefully Molly Holly, who was, even when she was wrestling, she was a champion for equality of women. And, you know, she, she stuck to her principles. She was like, look, you know, if you want women to do a bikini contest, that's fine. I'm not doing them. And yeah, she eventually, right. you know, she left and stuck to her morals and her, her guns and, you know, fair play to her. I think... Yeah, and I mean, there's that famous story about WrestleMania 20. Uh, was it 20? Yeah, but um, the hair versus hair match. But basically, that's that's the lens she had to go to just to get a women's match on the card. But considering that was a three or four hour pay-per-view with just men's matches, um, the fact that she had to shave her head... T- Bald just to get some recognition is, is shocking to be honest. But it just shows you that she, the, the lens she's willing to go to for women's wrestling. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've talked about obviously Cardi B hosting SummerSlam. Uh, WWE have apparently had rumours that they're going to be getting a partnership with New Japan, uh, a working relationship. I, I would happily see if I had to pay for a WWE pay-per-view. So I pay, I pay for the network, but I split it with Scott. Yeah. If I had 20 quid to buy a WWE pay-per-view or 20 quid to buy an AEW pay-per-view, as a WWE guy, I'm going to be honest, I would more than likely buy the AEW pay-per-view because I think I'm I'm guaranteed a better show. And yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say that AEW is putting out better weekly content on the whole... However, so, yeah. yeah. However, along with the Cody stuff, this is the stuff that really puts me off, and it's the Tony Khan segment. It was Tony Khan cut a promo as if he was a wrestler, and he. It was apparently New Japan said that we're having uh, discussions with Nick Khan, and Tony said, "Oh well, I've had this, and I've had this New Japan star on the show, and we had this title match, and we did this." And I've got this, so you're lying. You're lying, and it was just so cringy. But you could tell he was trying to be cool. And yeah, I mean Tony Khan definitely has that vibe about him of like yeah. the rich kid who like wanted to like pretend that he was like a wee bit rough, even mm-hmm. though like he was private schooled and all that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, although I will say that still things are fucking work. Like I don't believe a word can out anybody's mouth. Tony Khan, I'm sure, was well aware that apparently New Japan and WWE were in talks. That whole promo, when I put it in quotes that he cut, was clearly like a big work, like a big, a big character thing. 
because like not he would not have the balls for a second to actually say that if he didn't get permission for them. I, I honestly don't believe that he would say that about New Japan. If he didn't ask, if they didn't phone up first, like, can I say this about you, like, to gain some ping me? Because if he did do that, then he's jeopardising the chances of getting, you know, Omega versus Okada in the US, do you know what I mean? Like, or something like that, or like having Kota Ibushi and Omega come, do you know what I mean? Like, all these big Japanese stars that, like, are very, very close to coming to AEW, I'm sure, like, when the pandemic's totally over and people can fly internationally. Properly, <clears throat> I'm sure that will happen, and especially the whole thing with Moxley being the, the champion over there, the US champion. Like, he wouldn't disrupt that relationship just to cut a stupid promo. I think that he's well aware. I think they're all in bed together, even WWE. I'm sure they don't really give a fuck as long as they get some Japanese stars out of it, so that when WWE does a tour of Japan, they'll get more, you know what I mean? They'll make more money. I think everybody's in on it. Honestly, and I don't, I don't believe a word that anybody's saying. <laughs> I'm just suspicious of everybody. <laughs> this is the sort of thing, uh, I can't remember who it was, it, t- it was another podcast I was listening to that touched on it, like, wrestling's such a sport of, like, works and, you know, surprises and people not telling the truth that when someone goes, by the way, I'm injured, I definitely won't be at this pay-per-view, you're like, Ah, I'll see you. I'll see you. You're like, no, literally, mate. I broke my leg in four places. I have a cast. Doctor thinks that thinks I might never walk again. Never walk again. But can you run for a run-in? Yeah, I'll see you. Like, no, mate, mate. My life made it. I'll see you on Sunday. (laughs) Nice. that's the that's the crazy world of wrestling that we live in. Right. That nobody believes in Philly. So that's that's the way I'm feeling about this whole yeah, way I, between New Japan, AEW, and WWE. I think they're all they're all in on it. They're all just creating buzz so that everybody's interested again, and they'll probably do some sort of talent exchange. I wouldn't be surprised to have WWE guys on AEW at some point. Like I would never have said that about a year ago. Please, just how mental things have been. Like, see, seeing like Christian come back at the Royal Rumble, and then he shows up in the AW, and you know, just stuff like that. And the fact that they're letting Daniel Bryan's contract expire, apparently. Why would you do that? He's like the best wrestler in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have done that if they want to get something in exchange. So, if Daniel Bryan does show up in AW on New Japan, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else showed up on WWE show. Do you know what I mean? So. I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm working myself here <laughs> by thinking too much into yourself it. into a shoot, brother. Ah, exactly. Aye, well, ah. we'll, we'll move away from this one because you you seem to get tangled in knots here. And, uh, I do. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's good for you, but I'm going to move on. Um, so obviously we talked about, as we, we did this show, uh, we had the breaking news that uh, six WWE talents had been released. Uh, I'm in the group chat just now, our group chat where we um, we kind of post all the wrestling news, so we kind of keep up because there's a couple of them in there. Um, there are rumours that there's more WWE releases to come. Uh, Liv Morgan, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, and Keith Lee expected to join the already released names. Oh, wow. Ron Strowman, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Lana, Santana Garrett, and Buddy Murphy. 
this is this is not us blowing the air finding this out. This is yeah. your genuine reaction I'm getting. Yeah, I, I would hope. I would really, really hope that Triple H, at least, would be going to Vince or whoever and then like, hey, come on, you fuck, keep Keith Lee. Like, okay, fair enough, get rid of the other ones. Even though I still think there's a lot of potential with Garza and stuff, I get why they're being released because they're not really doing it. But Keith Lee, they have no idea what they've got there. And see if they're not happy with him on television, put him back to NXT. Because he was fine down there. Clearly Vince isn't happy with him on the main roster for some reason. Or maybe he's too fat, apparently. Or or maybe, I I don't know. But he clearly doesn't see something in him. But put him back to... Unless he's asked for his release, unless he's just not happy. And he's, he's the one that's gone out and asked. But I just can't see somebody like that. I can't see Triple H not fighting for him. Do you know what I mean? Because he spoke very, very highly of him in the past. It's the same as all these other babies, for lack of a expression. Like Pete Dunne and all that, that Triple H kind of is taking a shine to, and Adam Cole. I don't think he would let him be released. But as you're saying, I mean, it's fair, it probably is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. I mean, Braun Strowman's probably the most surprising because I think he I just assumes that Vince loved him. Um, but again, yeah, it's just I, I a financial was... thing. I, I'm glad Braun got his universal title run, but it happened at a completely the wrong time. I think he he, he should have been the guy who when Brock had that really like 500, 600 a run. Yeah. Where we were just begging for somebody to take the title off. Well, there was Braun a time man where, where Braun Strowman was amazing. Like, yeah. before they tried to make him face and all that. See, when he was actually having his rivalry with Roman Reigns, way back in the day. Oh, I'm flipping Where he was flipping the fucking um, ambulance and he, he was using the grappling hook to pull down the set and all that. All those big, ridiculous stunts. So good. And him and Drew, uh, sorry, him and Roman were having really, really good matches. Not like technical wrestling matches, but good WWE style, like brawls. Alright, well, that's the thing, like, I've said before, like, for all your, you know, your technical masterclasses and your your 630 splashes and your, you know, 100 mile an hour cruiserweights going at it, sometimes you can't beat just two big guys battering them to each other. Yeah, and that's what they've done best, like, that's, both those guys just had good chemistry and doing those kind of matches, and the big stunts, which... Sometimes WWE can get totally wrong and they just look so stupid. But they were on a really good roll. Remember that time where like Roman Reigns almost murdered them, but he drove like, a truck and the ambulance and all that, and then yeah, Roman like burst it, like like the Incredible Hulk. And yes. I was like, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> yes. Um, so that that was the time. That was the time I think where they should have went all in on Braun Strowman. But again, WWE they let it lie a bit too long. It got a wee bit boring. They tried to turn him face and then heal again. Then he shaved his head and then he done the whole thing with Wyatt and it just... They just dropped the ball. That's one of those things. They had something really, really good. Something that Vince would have really loved. This big, massive guy. And they just sort of fucked it. <laughs> you, 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 you touched on Keith Lee there about... Oh, he might be too fat. Um, Vince, you, you see the documentary where they're, they're, they're filming backstage and it's the Keith Lee, I think it's the 24 documentary. Yeah. Filming backstage and they say about Keith, he's like, he goes, I've got a star here. So I've got a 5-2 player, look what I'm working at. 
he went, but what I need you to do, and he, he gave him notes, but he didn't be like, you need to lose weight and you need to do that. It was like sort, sort of tweaks. He's like, when you do a big move, turn to the crowd, let them see you, you know, you're saying bask in your glory. So he was clearly... He was clearly a guy who impressed him, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's weird. Although I have heard stories in the past about Vince, the way he can just sort of turn one bad thing he'll see and he'll just change his opinion on somebody like forever. It could be the most minor thing ever. I mean, the famous one is, um, remember Paul London? Well, oh, smiled. Uh, he smiled during that promo and Vince just fired him immediately because he was so raging. Now, when you really think about it, he fucking smiled. Like, just tell him don't do that again. But, like, Vince apparently just, when he sees a wee thing like that, it could be something that nobody else notices, but if Vince notices it, he can just turn on you. I've heard that before by like, in some documentaries and podcasts and stuff, I'm sure. Pritchard's mentioned it in his podcast. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> the class of war um, so I don't know if it's just something like that where the, the smallest thing maybe Keith Lee's done something that he never liked and he just from then on in just decided nah he's not a guy yeah um, so we've touched on Brom we've touched on Keith Alistair Black he's, he's another one who um, I he has been so stop start like so he, I don't know if you remember see when WWE uh, the McMahons and Triple H came out and went we're giving control back to you, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. uh, we're going to have new guys we're going to have new guys come up and you know these are going to be the new guys and then it lasted for about a week and then it didn't work so then in about February they went by the way we're going to bring some people up onto the main roster and they're going to wrestle on the main roster and in NXT and it yeah, was basically right. boys again and it was, was him and Ricochet came up as a tag team. They'd never teamed together before, but they they came up as a tag team. Uh, and Gargano and Champa came up as That's the right. sort of evil, evil versions of DIY. <laughs> and they uh, they ended up teaming in NXT as well. They did the Dusty Classic. They, they That's a really good fight- match with Vikings, actually. Yeah, they ended up fighting for all three tag titles in the one week. They fought for the Raw tag titles on the on the Monday. They fought for the tag titles at the NXT TakeOver on the Saturday, and then they were involved oh, WrestleMania, in they? Uh, WrestleMania, it was the yeah, Usos, the, the versus, Usos Stoke, versus the Bar, the bar versus uh, Nakamura and Rusev. That's right. And then they decided, right, we're going to go our own way. Black gets drafted to Raw. Then they decide, actually, we need couples together. So... Vega and Andrade have to go to SmackDown. Who are already on SmackDown, sorry. They go across with Alistair Black. He then waits for someone to chap his door. Honestly, don't know how he can go ring somebody's buzzer or something, but either way. <laughs> um, he does the feud with Cesaro. Sort of stop, start. Does nothing. Then goes to Raw. Knock on my door. Who's brave enough to knock on my door? Uh, no, no, he has the Kevin Owens feud later. He does... He does weird business. So Murphy knocks on the door. He has a, a bunch of matches with Murphy. Then he has a he gets involved in the Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens feud, but doesn't become a main player like Joe and the Viking Raiders and the Authors of Pain. Mm-hmm. Then is a, a random match against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Then gets involved. Oh, in the Seth, he gets involved in the Seth Rey Mysterio 
feud. He's at Money in the Bank. Loses his eye. I, he, he gets stabbed in the eye and then he has a sort of snake and Metal Gear Solid sort of look about him. Um, does actually have a bit of a big boss. As he fights Kevin Owens and then just disappears from TV for a while. And then now he's back and he was doing like the Dark Father thing and I'm, I'm so happy it was something else other than Chat My Door. No. Because, the, but it was like, they kept doing these reboots with them and these reboots and they, he was off TV and we'll start it again. He's off TV and we'll turn them heel. He's off TV, yeah, I haven't quite brought uh, Bobby Lashley, sorry. And as a guy who on NXT was consistently protected and only ever lost under either dubious circumstances or injury, he, he was just so mismanaged on the main yeah. roster. Once he lost his first match on the main roster, He's probably he like the blueprint of what not to do. Yeah, once he lost his first match, it was sort of free reign to, all right, well, we don't need to worry about his undefeated. <laughs> yeah. And then he just becomes another guy. He's, he's one of those guys that you could tell that Vince just didn't get. Simple as that. He just didn't understand it. He didn't uh, get what his gimmick was. He wasn't sure if he was trying to do like an Undertaker, Undertaker gimmick or like a Bray Wyatt gimmick. And he just didn't know what to do with him. Um, but he thought, right, these people, Vince or, uh, sorry, Triple H or whoever are telling me that he's a good wrestler, so that's fine, I'll put him on TV because he'll have some decent matches apparently. <laughs> but I'm not going to invest any time in his actual character. I'll have him wear a black suit. That's <laughs> people to chap his door. Aye, it's just, it's just as if they were just like, I don't know what to do with this guy, fuck it. And they just never even tried. Because um, even when, as you said, they rebooted him, they never really, it was just the sort of same gimmick. A slightly different thing at all. <laughs> and now he's got long, yeah. long trousers. Now he's got an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but who is he? Tell us who he is. Nah, it doesn't matter. Fuck it. And then eventually fire him. So I don't know, but he's one of those guys that will, like, I clicked my fingers there. I don't know if you heard that over a podcast. But like that, <laughs> like in an instant, would find work anywhere. Like, it doesn't have to be AEW or New Japan. They could go to any promotion in the world and get hired immediately just because they're that good. Let's talk about Lana here. Not, I, I don't think it's unfair to say, not the, the, the most gifted in-ring competitor. No, no, but she, she was never meant to be. She was a manager. A, yeah, a very good manager. Excellent for manager. So much so that I thought she was rushing right up until she started speaking one day. I reckon that's it, like... I was buying it 100%. I thought that she was some Russian chick that they'd found. You know, when I saw when Rusev and Lana were doing that, that thing where Rusev sort of first debuted, they was doing the, the feud yeah. with John Cena, get into WrestleMania. Yeah. Apparently they shagged in the tank, but that's a whole different story. Um, that stuff, I was like, she was great. Totally bought 100% the whole gimmick by both of them. And then they, they inexplicably, inexplicably, that's hard to say, break them up like we could go on a whole different podcast about just Rusev in general and Rusev they've been dropped but then to take Lana away like it made no sense I don't know why they've done it she clearly wasn't a wrestler I don't know why they tried to make her a wrestler they had well, her just get she's through tables one. yeah sorry she's another one much like Alistair Black there was a lot of um, there was a lot of reboots there there was a lot of they were determined to make her a star at one point. Like, so much so. Do you remember when they wanted to get the big show over as, like, 
sort of sympathetic character when like the authority controlled him and they were like giving him Daniel Bryan's like yes chant and trying yeah, to make yeah. a like, show's thing as soon as Rusev Day happened and they didn't want Rusev over but they wanted Lana over all of a sudden she had like, a happy Lana Day in like Russian colours and all that and even mm. though by this point she was talking in her own accent <laughs> and uh, there has been so many soft reboots of Right, she's she's a she's a face now. She's a face now. She's a face now. She's a despicable heel. She's a face now. She's a face now. She's a face now. She's shagging Bobby Lashley behind herself back. She's a face. She's a face. Oh, she's a face. Uh, no, I think that sort of was the nail in the coffin. The whole Bobby Lashley. Aye. Thing. She never really recovered for that. Aye, and it was like I, I've said this. Before, like, so she's not meant to be a wrestler. As a manager, she's very like. But because of like everything else that's happened on screen, we're meant to forget that's happened. She's just a really unlikable character. So mm-hmm. much so that when see when they did the whole thing where it was Nia Jax bullying her and then like everyone ends up getting counted out except Lana who's been told to stand on the stairs. Yeah. And it's like, oh god, we need to feel bad. It was like that was her moment. That was her moment. Like she overcame and it was like I can't help feeling this would have been a better storyline if it was with someone we actually liked. Yeah, aye. I mean, and we don't have sympathy for her because her moment was the fact that she stood outside the ring and did it. It's like, it's not as if like, she had all this ability, but she was being held back. Do you know what I mean? Or she was this great wrestler, but the heel didn't, didn't want her to show. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just, oh god, I don't want to talk about one, it's depressing me. But again, you know, she obviously is legitimately with uh, Miro, so I would assume she would go to AEW, or maybe not, maybe she doesn't want to wrestle anymore. Like, she's an influencer and stuff, maybe she'll just go on to model or, or do other things. She might even just fucking quit the business, I don't imagine she's going to be in any rush to wrestle again. She might come back as a manager, who knows, or maybe, maybe they want to start a family. I don't really know, uh, but I think the best thing for her has been away for WWE. If she goes to EW, good for her. But if she doesn't, and she just decides to do something else, will become a fucking professional TikToker or something? And good for her too. <laughs> but like, uh, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. But if there's more releases coming, yeah. then this could just be the, the tip of the iceberg. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Murphy at least managed to get a a good um, match. Well, yeah. a, a spot yeah. in a WrestleMania. <laughs> a title match and you know we had the whole thing with the Mysterio family which was terrible but at least it was like a storyline that was on television and that was deemed to be important for some reason even though it was terrible but I, I, I don't know like I, I always thought we were heading towards Murphy versus Seth Rollins and we know how good Seth Rollins is he could have elevated him they could have had a great feud given time but what happened did they even have a match together or did it just Buddy Murphy shagged Rey Mysterio's daughter then disappeared? I just kind of, I think it just kind of petered out if they had a match it wasn't on pay-per-view. Aye, aye probably they're all after they nobody watched. And finally, the, the, so Santana Garrett we didn't really see a lot of she was aye. sort of cannon fodder for the NXT Battle Royals but um, the Riot Squad I like Ruby Riot she's a really good wrestler but again not great on the mic I don't know I just think that the most talented of the Riot Squad was fired a couple of years ago. <laughs> For being pregnant, but well, I, I always felt Ruby was the most talented of them, but I probably actually, you know what? Yeah. Well, we, we should state so the confirmed ones are 
and we'll just, as we wrap up here, confirmed cuts are Braun, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Lana, Santana Garrett, and Buddy Murphy. But yeah. I'm going to end you with a wee happy thought, okay? Okay. Andy Wilde uh, of ICW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, recently appearing on NXT UK, he's announced that he is going full time as a professional wrestler. So always nice to see somebody be able to chase oh, the dream full time. So it's, a nice, it's a nice wee note to end the show on, I think, though. Absolutely. Aye. Good on him. Mm. Uh, so that's going to do it here for an episode of Central. Uh, I'm going to thank Ryan for his uh, for being here today and for yes, fitting us in. Between no, no, I no. You, you got us in between daddy duties, so you know, yes. you, you were the hero here. <laughs> Okay, well, as I said, I'm the Brock Lesnar podcast, and so I wanted to show up once every while when when things are really bad. So you probably won't hear from me again until Mania season. All those releases, but we need you back, mate. Wait, look, we've not got a roster here. Show me uh, the money, Ross. <laughs> I don't, I don't control the company credit card. That's that's firmly <laughs> in the pocket of Stephen Wilson. Um, I'm not doing the We'll be back next week with Central, but if you want to hear more news, reviews, interviews and previews and our back catalogue, then that's Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor and all good Android podcasting sites and of course at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're there, get involved in the conversation and we'll see you again, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the host of the monthly show on Suplex Retreat East meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.